Ahoy, listeners. You're listening to the next English podcast. Today I tried to greet you in my native tongue. Obviously, the English equivalent for Ahoy is hello. So, hello and welcome to the 40th episode of the next English podcast. Uh, this is the 40th episode and maybe it is supposed to be a special episode, special edition. I don't know, uh, but uh, of course I will try to do my best so that uh, you will keep on listening. This is after all my ultimate goal for every single episode of the next English podcast. But because this is number 40, I will try to make it a little bit more special as it is the Jubilee episode. And I really also need to wish you a happy new year because today is the new year. It's the 1st of November 2014. Yesterday we had New Year's Eve and there was a New Year's Eve party. So I got involved in some drinking um, to celebrate the upcoming year. And uh, what we usually do is that we wish each other... Well, first of all, we drink a lot. And uh, at midnight, after the countdown finishes, we propose a toast. We drink and say cheers and wish each other happiness, good health, sometimes wealth, which is about money, you know, and uh, love which is something that everybody needs. So I, this is all that I also wish to you listeners, because uh, I really have to look after you. So once again, I wish you all the best for the year 2014. May all your wishes come true. And as an English teacher, I really need to wish you strong will for learning languages and English in particular, because strong will is one of the most important things in learning in general. If you have strong will, you can achieve your aims easier. Of course, motivation and will and uh, also talent and conditions. There are more factors, obviously, but strong will is something that I decided to go for as my uh, wish to you, listeners. From the point of view of the podcast, let's all hope this will be a good year for the podcast, that my podcast will attract new listeners And, of course, we'll keep the old ones, which is maybe even more important. No, not maybe. This is certainly more important for me to keep the old listeners rather than attract some new ones. I would love to do both, but sometimes uh, you can't serve two masters, you know. Uh, you have to choose one master to serve. You can't do two things at the same time. Unless you are a woman, of course, because women, generally speaking, can multitask much easier than men. And uh, I'm a man, or at least I think I'm a man. I'm not gonna check this at the moment, because uh, this would be highly inappropriate. Yeah, don't forget, listeners, that you can find this podcast on podomatic.com. There are about 10 episodes or so. I would love to have more there. But uh, I'm limited in, in size of the episodes. Uh, uh, each episode has about 50 megabytes. And uh, there is a limit on podomatic.com, uh, which is 500 megabytes. And unless I uh, give Podomatic some money and go pro, uh, I will always have these restrictions. I have to delete some old episodes in order to be able to add some new ones, to publish some new ones. Nevertheless, I got used to this, and um, this is how it works here, basically. If you want, you can go to yazikove.cz 
It's J-A-Z-Y-K-O-V-E dot C-Z, where you can also find my episodes. Or you can join me in my Facebook group, Zdeniek's English Podcast. And um, more importantly, if you want to check out some previous episodes, maybe the very old ones, those those which I would kind of call primeval, you know, from the past, from prehistoric times, like episodes number one, two, three, four, five, and so on, uh, you, you can go to my Dropbox. Now, you can find the link in the description of the group, the Next English Podcast on Facebook, or in the description of my kind of podcast profile on podomatic.com. Obviously, any sorts of comments underneath the published episode are highly appreciated, as well as the thumbs up. This really helps me out a lot, and it kind of works as a driving force for me. It uh, makes me want to record more and more episodes for you, and uh, sometimes I question myself and my endeavor. Sometimes I'm just really happy when I receive emails like the one from Jana, which was dealt with in the episode 38. So, please... It's nothing for you. It's, for example, Luke, Luke, Luke from Luke's English Podcast, he keeps asking his listeners for money. I don't want to do this because uh, I'm not Luke from Luke's English Podcast. Instead, I want to ask you for some thumbs up from pressing the like button because if you press the like button, then it's, uh, then it's kind of a feedback for me. It means that uh, you at least listened to the episode, you know. Or you just write a comment. It can be a random comment about anything from the episode. This is a great feedback for me. And it takes you only one second. Right? Maybe two. Okay, for those of you who are a bit slower, maybe five seconds. But not more than five seconds. And you do a good deed. Because uh, you make me, uh, that is Zdeniek from Zdeniek's English Podcast, a happy person. Okay. Right, the introductory stuff is off my chest now, and I can proceed uh, to speaking about the idioms. This episode is about idioms. Now, what are idioms? Uh, I'm sure most of you know what idioms are, but for those of you who really keep confusing idioms for idiots, please, for the very last time, idioms is not the same as idiots. So, don't be idiots, and... um, Check out your dictionary for what idioms are. Okay, you don't have to check out your dictionary because you are listening to Zdeniek's English podcast and I am here for you. I am a teacher of English language and I am here for you to actually tell you what idioms are. Idioms are expressions, uh, words, sometimes two or more words, some kind of phrases, expressions, which don't have the literal meaning. When I say literal meaning, it means the words which are in this phrase do not have the same meaning as they would have in isolation. The meaning is based on some kind of a metaphor. I don't know, to give you an example, it's raining cats and dogs is uh, an example that everybody uses. When you say it's raining cats and dogs, the words in this phrase, they don't literally mean that the cats and dogs are raining down the sky. It would be impossible, I think. It never happens normally, you know. It's a fiction. It's fictional. It's some somebody's wild imagination. Instead, this is used when we talk about a heavy rain, 
when it's raining cats and dogs, it means it's really pouring it down, it's bucketing it down. Okay, so this is what an idiom is. It's some kind of a metaphor uh, used in a form of uh, three or two words which at first sight uh, don't have the literal meaning. Sometimes even phrasal verbs uh, can be considered idioms. Some grammarians maintain that phrasal verbs are idiomatic. It's fair to say that it is true that they have idiomatic character, but uh, it depends on the point of view. But of course, phrasal verbs, you know what phrasal verbs are, yeah? Like get up, turn down, turn up, uh, carry out, and uh, stuff like that. So why idioms? Why idioms again? This, this hasn't been first time you are actually coming across idioms. Well, I think it's because uh, this is fascinating and riveting stuff, idioms, isn't it? Now, you can understand this genuinely, that I'm really uh, saying what I really mean. Um, I'm being honest with you. Or you can understand it sarcastically as well, actually. Well, why is that? Well, it's because uh, one man's meat, another man's poison. I think idioms, uh, or the attitude to idioms by learners as well as teachers is of this kind of hate and love character, you know, there is a hate and love uh, kind of uh, attitude to it. Uh, hate attitude for students because it's sometimes really hard for them to learn. It's uh, annoying and there are so many idioms that it seems to be um, uh, burning a midnight oil trying to learn them all. Um, and um, sometimes you forget some if you don't use them, if you don't hear them enough. So it is really challenging. For the teachers this is hard because not only uh, do they not know all of these idioms, but sometimes they are even asked during classes by those inquisitive and curious students. Something that no teacher wants to experience is that he doesn't know the answer, which happens very often if the, if the uh, students start asking about some unknown, obsolete and old-fashioned idioms, which um, may happen sometimes. And of course, it's a terrible feeling, it's embarrassment for the teacher if he doesn't know the answer. Well, actually, I think it's a part of a job. As a teacher, you mustn't be afraid to say, I don't know. Because if you are afraid, then uh, your job can become a bit stressful. This, your students have to accept that you are not a uh, robot, you are not uh, somebody, an om omniscient or omniscient uh, um, a teacher who would know everything. This is simply impossible, especially if you are a non-native teacher, non-native speaker teacher of English. You know what I'm trying to say, come on, you know. Yeah, but I said it is love and hate. Uh, I've dealt with hate, but why love? Well, it's because they are challenging. And funny, sometimes it is really fun to learn new idioms and um, if you happen to use the idioms you learned previously in some good context, well, there is, there is no better feeling than that. Okay, uh, you know, I think uh, it's important even for teachers so that uh, something is challenging for them so that they can learn. So um, even teachers can learn new idioms and uh, it's great, actually, if you can learn as a teacher. Sometimes when you teach elementary students uh, at an elementary school, for example, I think this uh, can be really demotivating for the teachers. For example, teachers like me, who want to learn more and more. 
uh, for teachers who like children and generally like upbringing and uh, dealing with discipline problems, then it's a great job to be a teacher at an elementary school. But for me, it's really terrible because um, I can't really learn more. I always teach the basic stuff, you know, like uh, present, perf present simple. I, I don't get to present perfect normally, but present simple uh, words like hi, hello, how are you, and, and stuff like that. And this can um, eventually lead to a burnout of a teacher if you don't uh, set yourself some challenges and if you don't move on, you kind of stagnate. And this is what happens. This is what would certainly happen to me if I had to teach at an elementary school. So this 40th episode is about idioms. One of the previous episodes was also about idioms. Uh, it was called animal idioms. That was the theme I chose. That was the topic, the animals. So I wondered what theme should I choose this time. Um, I think it's always good to have theme. It kind of gives it some sense. Sometimes it's okay to improvise and do random stuff, but sometimes it's good to have a plan and some structure and uh, some kind of um, unifying topic. So I was searching for various sources. I checked out the internet. I surfed, listeners. I surfed, even though it's winter here, I surfed on the internet for some useful idioms. And I, find, I found nine idioms. So now I'm gonna go through nine idioms and uh, at the end I will also try to create a story for you from, not, from these nine idioms so that you can kind of practice at the very end, which is one of the most important didactical principles uh, and psychological principles when remembering things. And um, in my Facebook group I also ask you a question about your favorite funny idioms. Some of you gave me an answer and I want to deal with those answers at the end as well. So I'll read you some more funny idioms which were sent to me by the group members of Zenix English Podcast. And I, ha I have a bad feeling that this might actually turn out to be a two-part episode. Like this happened in the, in the past. I keep stepping in the same river twice as you know. So this will probably be a more part episode. But let's hope I will deal with as many idioms as I possibly can in the first part. And if I manage to squeeze it in just one episode, this will be awesome. I just don't know. I just don't know at this point. Because I keep on speaking about some random stuff right now. And uh, I'm not getting to the point which happens to me very often, as you know. Because you're my listeners, you know me. And you know that I go off the tangent very often. So... Let's hope this won't happen too much and let's hope I stop speaking ASAP, that is as soon as possible. So there we go, this is the episode number 40, Funny Idioms. The first idiot, <clears throat> I didn't really want to say that, this was, uh, this was an accident. The first idiom... Uh, from my list here, is to have ants in one's pants. To have ants in one's pants. Now, this is interesting from the poetical point of view, because uh, we have rhymed there. And as an amateur poet, you know I'm a poet, because I have written uh, the poem for Sand Girl, I have to say that I quite find this interesting. Well, if we look at this phrase from a literal point of view, so if I say, for example, 
Oh my god, I have some ants in my pants. Well, to be honest, it's not exactly one of the most pleasant thoughts in the world, is it? Imagine it really happened. Uh, you had some ant in your pants. Uh, not a pleasant thought at all, right? Especially if you are a man. Uh, and I wonder, uh, imagine there was a teacher who really wanted to demonstrate each idiom because by demonstrating, you know, have, uh, giving the student some visual input, um, the teacher can make it easier for the students to memorize. Uh, so maybe the teacher wants to demonstrate, so he deliberately puts some um, ants into his pants and shows it to the students. Uh, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that each of the students would remember this for the rest of their lives. I hope you understand each of the words from this phrase. Ants are those little insects, very little insects, um, not even centimeter long. Well, they, actually they might be different species and some species are longer, I think. Yeah, and uh, they make ant hills. They are quite sociable creatures, sociable insects for such um, small insects, for such small beings and animals. It's unbelievable how clever they actually are, how sociable they are, because they stick to each other, they create a community of ants and they uh, build ant hills. And that's what makes them stronger. And they are really strong animals. They can lift, um, I don't know how many how many times their own weight, which is unbelievable. Humans can't really do that. But what does this phrase actually mean as an idiom? I haven't told you this yet, have I? So, to have ants in one's pants is an idiom, which means uh, to not to be able to sit still because you are worried or excited. So, it can happen to you that you look forward to something which takes place uh, in the evening, I don't know, maybe you, you are looking forward to watching a football game or next day you're leaving to go on holiday to Canary Island or something like that or you're already excited, worried about it, you keep uh, running around your house and not being able to concentrate because uh, you're so excited, you're getting a bit carried away, so that's what it, this phrase means and that's how you can use it. You can, for example, say, oh my god, I can't wait for this, uh, for the Champions League final because Arsenal are uh, playing Barcelona. I can't really wait. I kind of have ants in my, in my pants. That's how it can be used. And it also brings me to one more thought, which is connected to this. Uh, I have to tell you what happened to me during one of my uh, latest lessons. I was teaching one Russian group, group of Russian students, and one student confused the uh, ant with aunt. We were practicing used to for past habit. I asked uh, my students a question if there was anything they used to be scared of as children. And uh, <laughs> my student, he said, I used to be scared of ants. And I was like, oh, really? You must have really had some kind of frightening aunt and uh, he didn't understand so I had to explain him that aunts are your parents uh, sisters that's what aunts are but uh, what we really what he really meant was ants he used to be afraid of ants because uh, they are so dangerous you know 
uh, they can really kill you, especially if you have them in your pants. Imagine there were some uh, giant ants in your pants. Oh my god. So to recap, to have ants in one's pants... <clears throat> okay, this was on purpose. To have ants in one's pants means not to be able to sit still because you're worried or excited about something. Okay. The idiom number two, which I selected for you as a funny idiom, is the worm has turned. So again, it features some insects. Seem to be quite popular, right? Um, the worm has turned. It basically means uh, something as uh, another phrase, which is from zero to hero. I find this one quite funny. As a guy who works out, who goes to the gym, I really f think this is bizarre and hilarious. So what does this mean? Well, as I said, it means from zero to hero. Uh, initially, you are very weak and uh, um, um, you don't have confidence and you are um, kind of in a shadow. But something happens. I don't know. You start going to the gym. You, start, you take a bodybuilding or you win a lot of money in a lottery and suddenly, out of the blue, you become um, an important person. You become a VIP with high respect and authority. You have kind of higher value. And again, uh, literary, we can understand this idiom literary, so it means uh, as we read the words and their individual meaning, well, in this case, it's kind of nothing special, is it? You have an apple and you, you want to have a bite at it, but because it's an apple, what does normally live inside apples? Well, of course, some worms, because um, some flying insects had laid their eggs there, and it hatched and became a worm. And as it started eating the apple, it became stronger and bigger, and uh, when you bite at it, it's um, quite visible, Unfortunately, it's an unpleasant experience for you when this happens. But uh, because the worm... Let's have a look at this from the point of the worm, because um, that's what we are doing now. Well, obviously, the worm gets scared when this happens. When imagine your teeth um, from the point of view of the worm. It must be really big kind of teeth, uh, like gorillas... Gor uh, not gorillas, Godzilla's teeth. And a uh, really scary thought for the worm. And it makes it move, right? It makes it turn, turn aside, trying to avoid your teeth. Uh, he, the worm doesn't know that you actually don't want to eat it unless you are really hungry. But normally you, you say, Ugh! and you want to spit it out or throw the apple away, uh, you know. But um, the, the worm turns as it gets surprised. It's normally doing its business there, having a delicious lunch. And suddenly, out of nothing, you interrupt it. Can you imagine that? It must be a really horrible feeling. Okay, actually, I have one more association with this. You know, the, I'm a huge fan of the TV series, of an American TV series, Walking Dead. I don't know if you know this, but to make it simple for you, it's about zombies. Zombies are basically dead people who want to kill uh, living people and uh, eat their flesh, and they don't have brain, really. They just uh, act out of their instincts. And in this TV series, uh, basically what happens is that when a, a zombie bites you as a human, 
uh, within I don't know within several minutes you turn zombie and uh, uh, each dead person um, we can say that they turn when they turn that's that's when we describe the process of becoming a zombie actually for example we can say he is turning oh my god get away or kill it kill it as soon as possible or it will turn he will turn into zombie so for me this is a funny association because imagine a worm would really turn that that's a horrible thought right um, a worm which would become a zombie I mean, it's a little thing, but as it starts eating um, some living things, it can become bigger, even human size, or even even more massive, and then it gets into your pants, and uh, ouch! Yep, it's a terrible image. Oh my God, listeners, a zombie worm. Okay, just to reiterate the meaning of this idiom, the worm has turned. It means to. It means that at at the start, you're weak and um, inconfident, but then something changes and you become strong and powerful and uh, self-confident person. So, for example, you can say, well, Zdeniek, it's an interesting story. He used to be a worm, uh, just a usual teacher working at an elementary school. But because he started recording his podcast, he has actually turned and now he is a star. Well, isn't that a nice thought, listeners? Wouldn't that be great? It would really be wonderful if um, I turned because of my podcast. Uh, I think I'm already turning, by the way. So get away from me, because I'm gonna eat you. I am a worm zombie. Yeah, really scary worm zombie. Get away, stop listening to the podcast, because I can get to you through the internet through your uh, speakers, through the sound waves, or that kind of thing. Uh, the third idiom from my list here is to have Van Gogh's ear for music. Now, first of all, I really need to tell you who Van Gogh was. Uh, he was a Dutch painter. He was a Dutch painter who made himself really famous by uh, cutting off his own ear uh, unbelievable, isn't it? Yep. I just wonder, would he be that famous if he hadn't done that? I don't know. Uh, but uh, maybe I should really find out more about him for you. So let me write it down into Wikipedia here. Okay, I've got it. So, Vincent van Gogh was a post-impressionist painter of Dutch origin whose work notable notable for its rough beauty, emotional honesty and bold color, had a far-reaching influence on the 20th century art. So this is who Van Gogh was. And uh, there is an uh, idiom to have Van Gogh's ear for music. Now, this is a funny one, because we know obviously that he cut off his ear, and when somebody has Van Gogh's ear for music, it means this person is tone-deaf. And to be tone-deaf means that you're not able to recognize music or you're not able to uh, sing in tune or basically it means that you're out of tune, that, that you can't really appreciate music because you don't understand it. Now, talking of Van Gogh, I really need to tell you one story which happened to me during my English times. 
I might have told you a bit about my friend Ivoš, right? And um, I certainly told you in one of the previous episodes that I used to live in London, in England, for 17 months or so. Then I came back to the Czech Republic to live here, and because uh, uh, I was kind of nostalgic, I wanted to go back there to visit my friends after about half a year, so not not long after, actually, I came back to England. I went back to England, and I took my friend with me, Ivoš, who had uh, been um, my close friend for a long time, and uh, I wanted to show him the way I live there, and uh, because he's kind of a sociable person, he, he's an outgoing person, he likes meeting new people, and he likes uh, partying. This is what I did. I took him to a party, uh, and uh, we... Uh, drank there, had fun, danced all night, and uh, uh, what happens to Ivoš is that because he's very communicative, he likes meeting new people, not just girls, but uh, people in general. So he starts chatting with random people, and it's amazing how many people he can really um, meet during the night. And I'm kind of similar to that, not not as good as Ivoš though, but I'm something like that. I'm also extroverted and sociable person. So what happened was that once we got separated, he was dancing somewhere, I was dancing somewhere else, or he was maybe at the bar, I don't know. And then he came back to me and he said, I just, I've just met a Dutch person, you know. It's not normal in the Czech Republic that you meet um, people from all different nationalities, it's kind of exciting thought for me and for my friend Milo. It was, it was the same. Well, unless you live in Podjebrady here, which is the place where you meet a lot of foreigners. But normally at that time, I didn't used to meet a lot of foreigners, so didn't he. But there he met a Dutch person. He even pointed at this person. You know, it shouldn't be done to point at people. You shouldn't point at people. Nevertheless, he did that. And he said, that's him. That's him. He's a really great person. And he's from Holland. I said, wow, I need to talk to him. I really, I really want to meet a Dutch person. So what I did was that I came to this Dutch person. I started chatting with him. He was uh, quite friendly to me. And what I do normally when I meet people from different nationalities for the first time, I don't know why, but I start naming all things that I know about their culture, about their history. So I start giving them the most famous people of, the, of their countries, which kind of makes me feel that I am maybe knowledgeable and uh, educated person, I don't know, and also I hope that it will uh, enable me to become friend with this person, something like that. So what I did was I started telling him all these sorts of people that I know from Holland, so I started of course with football players, this is who I knew at the time most of... Um, Obviously, I named uh, Ruth van Nistelrooy, who used to play for Manchester United, uh, Ruth Hulit, uh, Robin van der Sar, the goalkeeper, and some others, and some others. And because I was into trance, I still am into trance music, I uh, named a, a few DJs who are famous for trance music and come from Holland, which is a, a great place for listening and uh, partying to trance music, of course. So I named uh, Armin van Buren and Ferry Kosten, and he was like, oh, really? Yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. He was like uh, nodding every time I um, told him a, a new name. And then I moved on to 
talking about the tulips, you know, the flowers and bicycles. I told him that everybody rides bicycles in Holland. And uh, I added the fact that uh, they can smoke marijuana there without being persecuted for it. You can buy marijuana in, a, a, in an ordinary shop, apparently, there. I don't know. And as an icing on the cake, I actually mentioned uh, Van Gogh, the famous painter, uh, uh, as a culture, culture person who really influenced the whole world. I even um, stressed out that he cut off his ear and this must have been amazing. I really felt pr proud at that moment that I actually, in my state of drunkenness, I actually managed to remember this person from Holland. I really felt proud. And the Dutch guy, he kept nodding and nodding. He kept saying, yeah, 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 you know. So I was like, it was even encouraging me to continue talking about all those kind of people I knew from Holland. However, and wait for this, this is really big, however, as I was talking to him, at one point I kind of uh, uh, realized that actually his English is quite good. It's actually too good for a person from Holland. So what I did was I asked him how long he has been living in, in London. Uh, because uh, it was interesting for me to know uh, how long it takes for a person to learn a foreign language to such a great level as he was talking. It was amazing the way he spoke. And he said, uh, I have been here for 19 years. I said, oh my God, how is that possible? You look quite young. How old are you? He said, I'm 19. So actually, listeners, he wasn't Dutch at all. He was born there in London and he was English. So it was my friend's fault, it was Iwoshi's fault, who didn't understand English properly enough to be able to uh, recognize uh, the country of his origin. And uh, he thought that this person was Dutch. And uh, I kind of made, made fool out of myself. I embarrassed myself in front of him and he let me do it because obviously he's British. He winds people up as British person. That's what they do. They like to tease you. But uh, it's nice sense of humor, actually. So I remember this experience uh, as it was, as it was uh, today, really. When I tell my friends, I always ask them beforehand, have you heard my Dutchman story? And if they say no, I'm really ready to uh, tell them this wonderful story of mine. I don't usually tell long jokes, but this is just something that I remember very well, because uh, it, it was really mem memorable for me, so it got stuck in my brain. But going back to the idiom, to have Van Gogh's ear for music, it means to be tone deaf, not to be able to recognize good music. Oh, wow, so my prediction was right. Maybe I could uh, take up fortune telling or something like that. I could predict the future, because uh, as I thought, this will take me a long time going through each of these idioms, and I have done uh, three so far. So I'm getting to number four, when pigs fly is another idiom. So you know what? This is the last one I'll do here in this episode. And then I call it a day, because uh, I don't want this to be too long. So in next episode, it will be the, the second part of this uh, two-part series. Let's hope it will be two-part series. So another idiom is when pigs fly, and we use this expression as a reaction when somebody says something of the sort 
that this will never happen again. For example, uh, he always fails the driving test. This has been the fifth time he has failed it. But the next time he says he will do it. He, he is eager and he is up for it and he, is, he says bring it on. Next time I will study hard. I will pull up my socks and uh, um, I will make it because I really need to pass this driving test and it, it's too embarrassing for me failing it five times. For the sixth time, I swear to God, I will, I will pass this exam. But, you know, because I know this guy, he always fails, I can say, yeah, yeah, yeah. When pigs fly, when pigs fly, uh, I can bet my fortune that uh, you will fail again. When pigs fly, mate. So when we say when pigs fly, it means no chance, no way for him passing it. Again, this is interesting from a literal point of view. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm kind of mutating. I'm back into my puberty years. My voice is changing. And this is because I speak too loud. It's too strenuous for my vocal cords. Yep, the when pigs fly, literally. Um, it's not a very likely thought, is it? This would only appear in some fantasies, in fairy tales or in English language, of course, as an idiom. Uh, you know, we have raining dogs, we have uh, raining dogs and cats, we have flying pigs. That's uh, quite interesting, isn't it? Well, this is a weird language, English, but uh, intriguing at the same time, despite the fact that it is a bit far-fetched at times. Well, this is a weird image, the flying pigs, isn't it? Imagine uh, the, the pigs could really fly. They would probably lose a lot of fat, right? Because uh, pork is uh, quite fat when you eat it. Uh, so pork as a meat would logically become more expensive at, because it would be rarer and more unique. Now, of course, uh, laws of economics apply. Uh, you know, that's what happens. We live in the world of money. Money is the root of all evil. Remember that. That's why my podcast is for free, listeners. I hope you appreciate that enough. You can maybe write me a message saying, Hi, Zdeněk, I really like your episode about animal idioms. Uh, actually, this is not about animal idioms. This is about funny idioms. Anyway, whatever it is, uh, we are talking about flying pigs. Okay? Flying pigs. Well, the idiom is when pigs fly. Well, pigs are quite big animals. It would be really interesting to see pigs fly, especially at night. And uh, maybe they would have wings and they could serve as a transport for people because they are strong, powerful. They could carry some people and transport them like dragons, you know, um, with the only difference that they wouldn't maybe breathe fire. They would stink instead, you know. But, um, I don't know, the chances are that the pigs will never fly, you know. So, this is just um, an idiom, a metaphor. We use this expression when we don't think something is possible, when we think something is totally, utterly impossible. We say, when pigs fly, no way, no way this is going to happen, no chance, okay. No chance Zdenek, Zdenek stops speaking uh, on the topic, 
uh, they, he will always go off the topic. You know, that's the way it works here in this podcast. And this is the last thought of the day, actually. And uh, even my dog has had enough because he keeps barking in the background, even though my window is closed. So uh, he produces a really loud uh, bark. So I think it's high time I wrap this up because I already have some ants in my pants uh, as I'm going to go to the gym tonight in about two hours. I'll be working out hard because I want to be the worm who has turned, you know. And then when I um, am a bit um, tired and knackered, because this is the great feeling for a bodybuilder when he's tired and knackered, it means the workout was done properly, then uh, I might listen to some music. And because I don't have Van Gogh's ear for music, I will enjoy this. And um, maybe my friend will tell me, you will not really enjoy this because you have Van Gogh's ear for music. But I'll tell him, no, you're wrong. I don't. I have my own ears. I don't have Van Gogh's ear for music. But because he is really persistent, he might tell me, uh, when pigs fly, when pigs fly, which means no way, no way. Okay? Okay, that's it, listeners. I have told you six, actually, not six, only four idioms which is a bit disappointing, but I hope at least you had some fun while I was doing this. And as I said, uh, I'm going to record another episode, which will be episode 41, where I will deal with the remaining five idioms, where I will deal with all those um, idioms that were sent to me by you, by the group members, including Luke from Luke's English Podcast. So you can really look forward to one wonderful idiom from Luke himself and at the very end as I promised I will read you the story I created in which I will use all these nine idioms which uh, I was supposed to teach you in this two-part series so that's it for today listeners let me call it a day let me call it quits bye and happy new year